It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. I really do. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, on iTunes, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how football is officially back. The Packers played their first real football game of the 2019 year. I can't say 2019 season because it was not the 2019 season. Preseason is not the season. And as I said yesterday, these games uh, matter even if they don't count. Now, game one matters less. Let's just start with this. Everything we watched in game one matters less, specifically because no one of import played. The Packers' offensive starters on the offensive line, Lane Taylor, was the only starter who played. After the, the game, Matt LaFleur said that was because he is actively in a battle for that left guard spot. An interesting note, by the way. Elton Jenkins, probably the guy he's battling with. On defense, Montrevious Adams and Oren Burks, along with Darnell Savage, were the only legitimate starters who were out there and playing actual snaps. And Oren Burks left early with an injury. We don't have an update on that injury at this point, but it did not seem major when it happened. So uh, we'll keep that updated as we move along the next few days. By the time we talk next on Monday, we should probably have an update, maybe by Tuesday, uh, because by the time we talk Monday, uh, Matt LaFleur will not have spoken in all likelihood. So uh, we'll get to that a little bit later. But th- there is not a lot to glean from a game in which the starters didn't really play in which the offense played mostly vanilla and the defense played mostly vanilla. In fact, what I thought was really interesting was Mike Patton got a little bit more creative as the game wore on. When he had some of his legit second-string dudes in there, he just sort of played straight up. And Matt LaFleur had a similar tact with the offense. 
not a lot of pre-snap motion, not a lot of interesting things formationally. I think the Packers are saving a lot of this. And I think in part they're saving a lot of it because they only want to rep it with their number one guys. They want to limit the amount of tape that, that teams have to study on them. And all of that makes sense. For the Packers, they won 28-26. That doesn't really matter. Um, it's nice that in Matt LaFleur's debut, they get a win. But, you know, we talked about yesterday the players who were players to watch. And I mentioned a handful of names. So outside of Warren Burks, who gets hurt early, you know, the first name I mentioned was Dexter Williams. He has 80 yards on 15 touches, by far the most productive offensive player and by far the most used offensive player in the game. Expect that trend to continue. I don't know why he's running behind Trey Carson. He's clearly got more burst and more juice than Trey Carson and even showed a little versatility with his passing game uh, play because he caught a screen, turned that into an 18-yard gain as well. Deshaun Kaiser opened the game. He goes 8 of 13 with a touchdown, uh, a nice passer rating, 7.8 yards per attempt, which, by the way, was only slightly under Tim Boyle, who only attempted five passes in this game. I, I do not understand. I do not understand why fans are so anxious to run Deshaun Kaiser out of the QB2 role. I understand his rookie year in Cleveland was not awe-inspiring, but he was playing for Hugh Jackson. Baker Mayfield didn't look great for Hugh Jackson. He got Freddie Kitchens. All of a sudden, he looks like a different quarterback. Last year... People forget the nice plays that Deshaun Kaiser made against the Bears because Khalil Mack ate his lunch money twice. All right, how many quarterbacks are going to have that happen against Khalil Mack? And yeah, he didn't look great against the Lions. Uh, The Packers didn't have a lot of their preferred starters on offense. It was a game that didn't matter. I don't really hold that against Kaiser. He's still only 23 years old for this entire season. He's He's still a year younger than... Boyle rules Tim Boyle so I understand that Tim Boyle has the look of an NFL quarterback not gonna I'm not gonna make any overt accusations on that but I'm just gonna let it speak for itself and that Deshaun Kaiser has some baggage with the turnovers and and with some of the struggles that have been very public on the football field but Kaiser was really good Thursday night he was really good 8 of 13 with a touchdown. And one of those incompletions was a spike, basically, on a receiver screen that got blown up. Another was a flat drop by Jamon Moore. Another was a laser down the center of the field where Jamon Moore slipped, making an in-cut because he cut on the wrong foot. And another incompletion was to EQ in his grasp that, you know, it was tough to tell if it was a drop or a PBU, but either way, it was an on-target throw. In 13 attempts, he had one off-target throw. So I don't understand these these criticisms of like, oh, well, you know, he's so up and down, blah, blah, blah. His best play, he had a 23-yard run negated by a hold. He was good. So I understand that, that Tim Boyle has some fans, and he's got some fans in the media, and the big arm, he likes to sling it down the field. And all of that is appealing. He also has had his opportunities to play more against top-level competition, and when he's done that, he struggled. 
let's not forget how bad he looked at the end of the preseason last year. He's not ready for primetime. He's not ready for the big boy leagues. He he is a he is a very nice third string quarterback, and we don't have any idea if he can be a QB two. Deshaun Kaiser has the pedigree. He has the experience. He has the draft positioning that indicates talent. You know, it's not to say that that Tim Boyle has no talent. Of course he does. But Kaiser is the QB two right now. There there should be no discussions about this. He is QB two. And and the two other players that we talked about yesterday, Darius Shepard and Big Bob Tanyan, each had nice plays. Darius Shepard on mesh which is, it's not a new concept, but it is new-ish to the Packers, uh, something that Matt LaFleur loves to run. It was a broken play, but turned into a touchdown. Deshaun Kaiser, by the way, bought time, made a throw. Darius Shepard makes the catch for the 14-yard touchdown. He also made a great throw and catch to Big Bob Tanyan for 23 yards down the middle of the field. Those guys showed up, and Darius Shepard is going to keep getting opportunities because Jamon Moore, who we're going to talk about in a little bit, is playing his way off this team. And that's just the reality of the situation. He is playing his way off the Packers. And, you know, look, I feel for the guy. I really do. And I don't want to give too much of it away because we're going to talk about it in a second. But, you know, that was that was one of the big things that, that we had to talk about. Outside of just the players that impressed, I think the Packers' defense and their ability to create splash plays is something that we also can't overlook. Um, they had... Uh, you know, the, the fumble forced on defense, they had the, the muffed punt and then two interceptions and then really three interceptions and a fumble. But then the interception was overturned and, and that whole thing. The Packers defense is different and Kadar Holman is legit. That guy validated what we've seen from him in the preseason process from OTAs and minicamp, someone who has become if not a rising star, a a surprise standout player. And the longer someone like Josh Jackson is out, the longer Kadar Holman has to take his snaps. Ditto for Tony Brown. And I know that that, you know, there were some some Joe Webb runs and and he's a tough guy. And Matt LaFleur said it. He was not joking, even though some people in the press room laughed that Joe Webb is a tough quarterback to handle. He is because he is tough to tackle. There were a ton of plays especially on third down where the Packers had Joe Webb dead to rights. They had his receivers covered and they had pressure in the backfield and he either just shrugged off a tackler or ran away from a tackler. Well, if they can get that same sort of defensive design with their starters and now you've got Blake Martinez coming on a blitz or you've got Adrian Amos coming on a blitz or you've got Zadarius Smith or Preston Smith who beat their guy off the edge and they're the ones making the tackle in the backfield instead of, you know, outside linebacker eight, then you might have some different outcomes. So again, I don't want to take too much away from from the scheme or from, you know, particular outcomes, but there there are I think broader points here. And and what I wrote about Frackme Packing Company was the important thing was to hit certain touchdowns. And specific players, you know, Dexter Williams in particular. He hit that touchdown. Deshaun Kaiser, he hit that touchdown. To me, you want to say he didn't? That's fine. We're just going to disagree on that. They needed to hit their touchdowns and get out of this game healthy. They did that. It's time to move on to week two. 
David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's Killer Bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed-coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store hey listen up FanDuel fantasy players your day is about to get 20 percent better this is Vinny Iyer, host of Lockdown Fantasy Football here on the Lockdown Network, and I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there. Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats. You can pick from main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft, and you can even play private contests with your friends. And there's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel and that's what I love about it. Experience season long wins without the season long waits. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. We can't fully move on to week two yet, though, because uh, we have to talk about this game some more. That's just first and foremost. Uh, J-Mom Moore. Mm. It's, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, ultimately came back and, and had a touchdown grab, but that is only after he dropped a touchdown catch in his mitts uh, on a really nice play from Boyle. And... At this point, you have to wonder where he is in the packing order. Uh, you know, I, I made this whole case for the Packers to keep five running backs and maybe only keep five receivers as a result. Well, they cut Corey Grant, signed Ibrahim Campbell. That's something we're going to talk about at the end of the show. But Moore was fighting to make this team. He was fighting to be one of the five or six receivers that was here when all the dust cleared. When everything was settled, we thought he was going to be one of those guys because of draft position, because of upside. These struggles are, are really troubling. And you have to feel for the kid because he had a bad rookie season. He knows that. And he, I know, I know he worked really hard this offseason, worked on the route running, was, was working drills with a helmet on specifically because he wanted to to make it as live as possible when 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 it comes to his training and then comes into camp and has a lot of the same struggles can't reel the ball in and if you are a receiver who can't catch you will not be a receiver for long 
And unfortunately, that's where we are with Jamon Moore. The first play that he gets an opportunity to get, drop. Then he has a, a deep in, slips because he broke off the wrong foot. Another play later, he makes the catch. Okay, nice. Double catch. Later, in the red zone with Tim Boyle, ball in his hands, drop. Drop. It's a touchdown. Drop. They go on fourth down. They get him an opportunity. He makes a catch. Double catch. He just has no confidence catching the ball. Meanwhile, Jake Kumaro catches a couple laser shot first downs from Deshaun Kaiser. He is like at worst wide receiver four right now. Ahead of someone like EQ. And and I have I have big questions about why EQ is not getting a little bit more playing time. Maybe it's because Kumaro has been so good. I think it's likely that EQ is is slot receiver two behind Geronimo Allison, and that's part of this. But I think he's someone who who needs to get more opportunities. He made the, the first big play of this game. It wasn't really his play. It was a, a great punt. Kiki QT muffed the punt, and he recovered in the end zone. But they're auditioning gunners. If they can find a bunch of guys who can, who can play gunner uh, and, and do other stuff, they don't need Trevor Davis. I mean, this is something we've been talking about all offseason about whether or not Green Bay can afford to keep some of these guys who are special teams-only players. If Trevor Davis can't play, he can't prove that he is more than a special teams player. That is an important factor here. And so, Jamon Moore struggles in a game where Darius Shepard has a beautiful touchdown grab and where Alan Lazard, who you know had a couple plays that he couldn't make, did catch a beautiful touchdown. You know, he has not had a strong camp. Lazard hasn't. But this could be the start of some momentum. And when you look at this receiver depth chart, I mean, we know Adams is one. We know Allison and MVS are right there. Kumaro EQ. All right, that's five. After that, if they're going to keep more than five, Trevor Davis has the clear inside track on six. Darius Shepard, I think, is right there. Jewel Davis even T.O. Redding could be ahead of Jamon Moore in terms of what we've seen so far to this point in their respective careers and in this camp. That is how bad Jamon Moore has been, and that's how inconsistent he's been. Look, I take no pleasure in this. I was very high on Moore. I thought he was better than where the Packers drafted him before the, before the draft. It, it it sucks to see anyone go through what he's going through because his confidence level has to just be absolute bottom of the barrel. I mean, when he caught the touchdown, he spiked it and walked off the field. Didn't even celebrate because I'm I'm sure this is this is incredibly frustrating. Incredibly frustrating. It's like you know you're playing basketball and and you miss a couple shots in a row and you finally get one to go. You're not even happy about it. You're mad. Or you play golf, and this is very much me. You, you hit four or five bad drives in a row, and finally you, you stripe one. You're not happy about it. You're mad. God, why couldn't I do this the whole time? What? You're not happy. That is how Jamon Moore is feeling right now. And you hope he can turn it around. You hope he can play better and at least play well enough that Green Bay wants to keep him on the practice squad because they've already invested the time in him. Uh, he's clearly worked to get to this point, 
And you'd like to just have him, you know, try and build some confidence. If he can't do that, though, it's just got to be time. And, and you know, after he drops that touchdown, I, I was this close. You can't see me, but imagine I am I am putting my my pointer finger and, and thumb very close together. I am this close at that time to saying, you know, he might not make it to Monday. Because that's how bad that's how bad the game was, and then he catches the touchdown. And you go, okay. I mean, that's something. It's not great. Still not great. He didn't do much, and it was still not an ideal play because he double caught it. But at least he made that play. That's going to buy him some time. I, I still, you know, look. There's no incentive to actually cut him, but in the in the mind of the front office, you just go, yeah, this guy's just done. He can't play. And if you get MVS, who's going to be a starter, and EQ, who's going to be a long-term part of this team, we think, then you're fine cutting Jamon Moore because you made three picks on day three specifically because you wanted one or or max two of them to work out. And you just played the numbers. Hey, look, we want one of these guys to work, so let's take three. That's That's the front office mindset. And they liked all three, and, and if two work, great. Great. If two work, that I mean, that's amazing for Brian Gutekunst. On a day three pick, and you get a fifth and a sixth, and they both turn out to be players? I mean, even if one is a, is wide receiver three, you know, MVS, we're not sure if he's two or three, and then EQ, even if he's four or five, those are, those are you know, useful NFL players that you got on day three. The fact that your fourth round pick didn't work out, I mean, that's just the numbers. Even batting two out of three in the NFL draft is way above average, and and even more so. I mean, it's aberrational above average when it comes to day three picks. So, you know, I don't think the Packers are are going to be crying if they have to cut Jamon Moore. The question is going to be, you know, when do they have to do that? If they have to do that, can he bounce back? And and what does the rest of this roster look like if and when they have to make that call? This episode is brought to you by Philips One by Sonicare. One up your brushing with Philips One. This one is the ideal one for those who are still using an old school manual toothbrush. To all those people, it's time to take your brushing one level up. The solution is a simple one. It's the perfect timing one. It's the long lasting battery powered or USB rechargeable one. That comes in multiple colors to match you one. The one with a subscription that delivers new brush heads for just $5. Your teeth deserve this one. Philips One by Sonicare. One up your brushing. Learn more at philips.com slash one. That's P-H-I-L-I-P-S dot com slash O-N-E. This episode is brought to you by Shell. College football is best enjoyed at home. You know, the home that has no rooms because it's a stadium of 70,000 screaming fans. But wherever you are, ESPN and Shell can take your fandom further with savings up to 15 cents per gallon for Fuel Rewards members at Shell. Welcome home, football fans. Terms and conditions apply. See fuelrewards.com slash fuel your fandom for details. Shell is an official sponsor of ESPN College Football. ESPN, the ESPN logo, and ESPN College Football are registered trademarks of ESPN Incorporated. So a couple things to note here before we finish up. Um, not not five hours after I announced that I thought the Packers 
would keep five running backs and and no more than five receivers, uh, the Packers cut Corey Grant. <laughs> and they did so to uh, make room for Ibrahim Campbell, who they've brought back, uh, who tore his ACL at the end of last year, who was very solid for Green Bay last year, very reliable, uh, was really, I thought, their best safety last year. And he comes in and has the chance to give them real snaps. Natrol Jamerson did not play great on Thursday. Missed some tackles. I like the athleticism, but if you can't be reliable as a safety, as a tackler, and you're not a playmaker in the passing game, you're, you're a special teams player, and that makes you a fringe roster player. So what's interesting is Corey Grant being cut because, I, frankly, I would have cut Carson. Um, but they like Carson for reasons that I can't quite understand. I made the joke on Twitter that I think Carson playing ahead of Dexter Williams is sort of the the new Jamal Williams over Aaron Jones for the preseason because it's not nearly as important, but it it seems equally as strange to me. Uh, but Kendall Donerson was also part of this exchange. Uh, he was waived injured. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. That That throws their outside linebacker group at least the fringes of it, into a little bit of flux. Can Reggie Gilbert make this team now? Would he have been in more danger of not making this team if Kendall Donerson had been able to stay healthy? These are interesting questions to be asking. Uh, Clearly, we know that the top four outside linebackers are set. And so how many do you keep beyond that? I think Green Bay would like to keep more than four. I think they'd like to keep five, maybe six. Well, that's Reggie Gilbert and... You know, are there other guys who can stand out? Other guys who can make plays? Uh, the the Corey Grant part of this is surprising to me, though. If for no other reason, then I felt like he had an opportunity to give them something in the passing game. He, he could give them something in the return game. And it didn't seem like he really ever got the chance to do that. Uh, I, I think this is more a reflection of how they feel about Ibrahim Campbell and, and how they feel about the depth at that position. Uh, with Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos, they feel really good about those two guys. I think they really like what Raven Green can bring. If you add Campbell, that's four players who they can really feel good about. And then if you, if you have Josh Jones, who's that hybrid type player, you can keep him. And if you don't feel good about him, you cut him. And, and, and that just, you know, that works for you. Um, that leaves someone like Natrol Jamerson certainly on the outside looking in. I felt like Jamerson had a real shot in part because I didn't think Campbell would be ready this early. But it turns out he is. So if he's ready to play, he's someone that I think can certainly make this defense a little bit better. If, if, if it's just on the margins, fine. He's better than some of the other guys they could have trotted out there. He's better than Natrol Jamerson. And right now, he's better than Josh Jones. He was better than Josh Jones last year. So Green Bay can can be better from this. I just The Grant part of this was a little surprising. I don't think Trey Carson is going to end up making this team, which means three running backs and a fullback. Yeah, that probably makes sense. And we need to keep an eye on this, on this uh, receiver situation. Can Darius Shepard get some more opportunities to shine? When Trevor Davis, when and if Trevor Davis comes back healthy, can he, you know, can he play well enough to earn that sixth spot? What do, what do we have in EQ? What do we see there? What do we know? I don't know. 
uh, I feel like he he receives praise from the quarterback and the coach, and it seems like the team likes him, and yet he's not getting targets, and he's behind Jake Kumaro, and I don't really know what to make of what's going on there. That just sort of, in some ways, is what it is. Uh, it, it, the NFL is weird like that. Football is weird like that. There a lot of stuff goes on behind closed doors that we don't get to see. So we'll, we'll just have to let this play out as the process moves forward. I felt like EQ should have been given more opportunities last year, but and he and he he did get them at various points, and and I thought succeeded with them. So we'll see what happens here moving forward with the Packers. Uh, a lot more to get to. Remember, this is just week one. So let's not overreact. Uh, you never want to overreact, just sort of by definition. That's what it, that's why it's called overreacting. No one says, well, let's not react. Well, no, you can react as long as you're reacting to the right things. React to the right things and you're not overreacting. Or at least react to the right things in the right way and you're not overreacting. I try not to overreact on this show. Sometimes I do. That's just the nature of being a human person in the world. So here we are. Uh, hopefully you don't blame me for it. Hopefully that's, you know, maybe it's one of the reasons you listen, to be honest. Uh, but uh, I do appreciate you listening. Uh, we're, we're, this is it. We're in, the, we're in the thick of it now. We're in the great game now, as Tyrion Lannister would say. So here we are, and it's going to be fun. Uh, we didn't get a lot of, of great offensive looks of, of, you know, fascinating new concepts the Packers are going to run. We didn't see a ton of new creative looks defensively. That's just to be expected. We're not going to see a lot of that stuff. We'll see a little bit more week two. We'll see a little bit more week three. And then week four will be once again as vanilla as vanilla gets. But I think the Packers are saving some of this stuff for the regular season. Most teams do. So keep an eye out. If you see something new and interesting, let me know. Uh, best way to let me know, follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Send me a tweet. I follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown Packers. Send that a tweet. It's a it's a, it's a semi-sentient thing, so I guess it's a that. Uh, you can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And those little tidbits that you see, or maybe they're nitpicks that you have, or criticisms, or suggestions. Send them to me on the Locked on Packers fan hotline. That number, 920-341-3775. This is your bonus edition of the preseason Locked on Packers. And that means you can, you only really have one option when it comes to this. There's only one thing you can do. Because we've got a long way to go through this process. A long, long way to go. This is just the beginning. So what you have to do, you know what you have to do. Stay locked on Packers. <laughs>